Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We got a legend in the building for episode 77 of the greatest of all podcasts, the GOAP, the Ricky Henderson of podcasts. Got a lot to talk about. We're going to recap a wild 2023 season with Casey Pratt of ABC7. Uh, Casey, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. And to take the viewers behind the curtain a little bit, last Friday, I was standing on Ricky Henderson field with Alex. Oh, yeah. Staring at Ricky Henderson, trying to pump him up to go get the naming rights officially from Ricky. You know, just <laughs> but, but you know, we didn't want to have to offer him any money, so we, we just stared and, and didn't talk to him. Yeah, I'll I'll just keep ripping off his name, image, and likeness until uh, he says something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm your host, Alex Espinosa, with my co-host Hal Gordon. Hot and uh, we're going to start wrapping. I mean, they, I think they still have like 12 or 13 games left. We're going to start doing our season wrap up pods because this one's been over since April 15th or so. Um, and also, I got to announce um, we probably only have a couple more episodes left because I'm moving down to Mexico on October 4th. I'm very excited for that. I remember when the A's news first broke, I was saying, oh, I'm going to move down there like jokingly. But here we are. I'm actually going to do it. So uh, pretty excited about that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I could miss the final year of A's baseball at Oakland, dude. I could miss it next year. So we'll see. We'll have to, or there could be four more years. Who knows? A, so. a lot of people, I think, are going to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I still think, trying I to think... talk Alex for the record, not, not Jeremy Aguero for the record, but Alex for the record <laughs> into doing uh, the podcast from Mexico uh, in Espanol. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Oh. Yeah, A's okay. Spanish pod. But uh Los Atleticos. Yeah. Yeah. But uh but yeah, that was fun to go to the game last last week and uh see Bob Melvin. He was back. But I think we kind of got to wrap up just like what a wild year it's been. It feels like it's been like five years. Uh <laughs> I think people are gonna look back at this 2023 season like, holy crap, how did Ace fans survive all that? You know? Uh, yeah, it really it really does feel like it's been uh been a number of years. I think uh the beginning the preseason uh we knew it was going to be bad but i think you know i think I, I don't know about you casey but i i don't know that i had uh sort of realized that uh because of the nevada schedule uh legislative schedule that like we were going to get something so so soon in the season i thought it was going to be close to the end uh but then after that it was you know it was that big battle, the reverse boycott, the trying to, you know, figure out how we could do anything else. And uh, since then, I think it's been mostly sort of a, a, f a funeral, uh, a funeral march. Yeah. So I guess, you know, my first question for you, Casey, uh, you know, you're the you're maybe the best connected person in the media on all this. Where where are we on Vegas? Is it ninety nine percent? Is it ninety nine point nine percent? Is it, you know, is it is it is it a hundred percent? Is it, you know, I know that uh, there's there's a couple different things that could happen. Where are we at? Where do you think? Yeah, so I've always been pretty honest about this projection, and many many months ago, I had bumped Vegas up sixty forty. 
as much as everyone always calls me a homer and A's homer, I had I had put Vegas in the lead before they even announced any of this stuff. Like that one night, I think it was April 19th when all the 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 ish hit the fan. I'd already bumped them up at that point, but I got it at like 95% because I still think that there's numerous ways that John Fisher and Dave Cabell can screw this up. I don't see any appetite for the A's in Las Vegas, but uh, credit to Las Vegas and Nevada. Uh, it's just easier to get things done. And they plowed through this process. Like, like you were just saying, you didn't think it would come as early in the season. Like we knew in the legislative session, was going to end but what i thought was going to happen was that the session would end and then they do a special session like maybe a few more months down the road but instead they did it like immediately so it, it happened a bit quicker uh than we thought by at least a few months yeah and, and do you think when i we... guess oh go ahead go my ahead. mistake was i think i thought that uh the a's would realize that they might have that time and would 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 think like Let's let's see what Oakland's final best offer is. But I think I have my theories on that. I think I think that they didn't really care what the final best offer was. I think that the, I think that their fear, frankly, I think their fear of the proposition from people like Snitcher Steel and and a few other things, they just figured even their best deal was not going to be as good as Nevada. So they you know, they didn't have any loyalty. So well, I think they had a pretty good idea what the final best offer was too. I mean, yeah. we knew what they were going to be able to offer. There was really not much else they could do. So when they were going into that final session uh, with the mediator and everything, I think that's where the A's really got gun shy there because they're like, all right, we, we know the deal. I mean, we can fudge the lines a little bit here and there, but we know what it is. And we really, no, we probably can't afford it. So <laughs> just pull the plug now at this point. Yeah. Well, well I'm curious. I mean, you say there's still there's you're saying there's still a chance, five percent. <laughs> but where where is it? Is that rooted in just kind of like what uh what Shang Tao is saying with his antitrust stuff? Or does there any weight to that? Or do you think that because you know the the I think the owner's vote will be in November, like could this thing kind of already be wrapped up by the time any sort of legislation gets pushed through in Oakland? Like like I don't know. I guess where where does that uh, small glimmer of hope um, you know emanate from? I mean, the only hope I have at this point is that something goes sideways with Las Vegas, and they end up saying, "All right, let's just sell this thing and get out of here." Yeah. Um, that's really the only hope at this point, in my opinion, because you look at like what they pitched in Las Vegas. None of that is the deal right now. Like nine acres, no, it's not. Like retractable roof, no, it's not. Like it's just one of those things where renderings come out, throw those in the trash. Like they haven't really been upfront about anything they're doing out there. I think that people out there still can't even believe they're going to try to build a Tropicana site. So um, I just feel like there's a lot of different ways that this thing could get messed up, but I don't think it's likely it gets, gets messed up. I mean, I think it could happen, but I'm not saying it's like likely to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I can't believe like last week or whatever, when there was um, some updates, people are like the Las Vegas Review Journal, they're still pumping out those renderings that, you know, people with the A's have said have, are, have no value. You know, it's just like they're still pushing this false narrative of, of what the A's can offer. And it's I mean, I know Las Vegas Review Journal is pretty much the mouthpiece for the A's front office at this point, but it just it the whole thing baffles me like how they're okaying this without any 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 it's so many loose ends you know it's wild to me yeah yeah i mean they had the legislative calendar they knew it was ending they had 
the people in Vegas saying like, you got to get this property now. We're fully out of time. Like we're going to have to try to ram this thing through. But if you guys don't pick a site and then they pick the wrong site and then change sites within the span of weeks, but they really had to act. And if they didn't, they were going to be toast. So they kind of jumped into it. But what was interesting to me is that the Nevada legislature was like, happy with getting basically no actual information and that the people were okay with the public comment being like holiday weekends nights i mean you had so many people calling the... to oppose that weren't even allowed to oppose so they had to say they were neutral then oppose then they'd get in trouble like they just rushed through everything without any answers and still greenlit it, they which were is crazy. they were rushing home to watch the stanley cup <laughs> yeah, they were trying to end sessions to watch the Golden. I think, dude, the A's knew that, and they were kind of had these guys wrapped up in the whole fervor of, oh, people were excited about sports. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it just seemed really chaotic, really rushed. The information wasn't really there, but they got what they wanted, and I think they saw a much more easy path to get what they wanted there, and they were right. So now it's a matter of can they back up any of these assertions that they made in these hearings um and we'll see i mean listen they they got their they'll got their tax revenue if they don't back it up nobody's you know it's it, nobody it's not you know i don't think it, it behooves nobody for them to prove that they screwed up you know it who it's just gonna happen it's just gonna happen um you know i Alex and I, uh, we hadn't done a pod for a while. I think we were just uh, too too depressed and too sad, and uh, we we finally got back to it again last week. And we we talked a little bit about uh, the the famous uh, John Fisher interview. Uh, obviously, uh, we would love you know everyone, everyone and their mother would love to just get you in a room with Dave Cavill. <laughs> like, not screw John Fisher. Like, honestly, Dave Cavill would be maybe more interesting, but. Uh, you know, I, I, what I think, I think a lot of times people, you know, I'm not a member of the media. And I think a lot of times people in the media struggle, you know, when they're thinking about giving an interview with, with weird, you know, when, when they have to agree to different things and they think, you know, am, am I actually going to be interviewing this person or am I just going to be doing PR? And, and, you know, it certainly was an interesting, you know, it, we learn. I think we did sort of learn stuff. So I don't want to say it was completely useless, but uh, I don't. I don't know if you have any thoughts or wanna wanna say anything about it. You can just sort of smile and uh, and talk about maybe uh, John Fisher's revenue claims if you want. Uh, <laughs> I'll just throw that out for you. <laughs> yeah. So what I don't understand is why Dave Cavill wouldn't want to do an interview. I mean, I guess. He wouldn't want to be called on his stuff, but if he was honest and acting in good faith, like what does it matter if he's getting called on his stuff? He should have answers for all of it. Um, he's the ace <laughs> team president. I've interviewed him many, 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 many times. Yeah. Um, so I don't understand the the hesitation there. Like, I'm not mean or scary, as you all know. <laughs> uh, and as he should know too. I've talked to him a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, the John Fisher <laughs> thing is is a whole different thing because obviously he doesn't speak usually um he doesn't come forward a lot he said a lot of things that imply like you know i'm the owner i have to be the one that that's that speaks and says and but he doesn't you know and so yeah i, I don't know i can see why he would not want to do interviews or just not be comfortable on camera it's not easy to sit here like a 
you know, bumbling idiot and talk into a camera. It's not for everybody. Um, so I don't fault anybody for that. But I think that if you're the front man in this organization, you should have to say something. Um, I'm not really counting a lot of what he did as qualifying there. Um, you know, the one that really sticks out to me too is like, where's Billy Bean, right? Like he's an advisor for John Fisher. I haven't seen anything from him. Um, yeah. If you are John Fisher, you're the owner of the team and you have an advisor as eloquent as him. I'd be putting him in front of all these, these requests um, because he's extremely personable and well-spoken and, and phenomenal in interviews. Um, I don't know what happened to Cavill. He, he lost his touch somewhere along the way. I mean, you saw him when he tried to speak at the, uh, the, the Nevada legislature, it was just a complete train wreck. So, um, I don't know. Did you see the hero habit interview with, uh, with Cavill like, like a while oh. back? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so, so good. It was right it around was so when good. he was, um, trying to debate Damon Bruce for some reason. And <laughs> oh, yeah. he got so roundly decimated by Tony Fry that I, I honestly think he's never been the same. Um, yeah. I've never so seen if people really haven't, with him since. If people haven't seen that interview, it's from more than a year ago now, but it was, it was, it was really, it was a really great interview. It was, uh, I think at the time I was still trying to uh, ingratiate myself uh, to the A's. So I don't think I, uh, I don't think I, I said too much about it when it happened, but I remember vividly watching it and being like, oh my God. Uh, you know, I think Tony, sat down and he just the thing that he just kept hammering him on was the price of tickets you know he just said listen dave why'd you raise the price of tickets and for some reason they had it in there i think they had it in their heads that oh well we didn't raise the face value we just got rid of uh we just got rid of um a's access you know so but instead of saying that way he's like oh we didn't and tony was just like no like everyone has told me that their tickets have gone up and he just, he just, he didn't know what to say. It was, yeah. and he was, you know, pressuring him on how you act as the good steward of a professional sports franchise. Yeah. And I think that it was something about that interview. Just, it, it almost, it cracked the whole veneer that he had. Cavill has always been like masterful at dodging and deflecting and, and you know, if he doesn't want to answer a question, he'll just give you a can't answer and then answer it the same exact way over and over again. Like when Alex was asking about Sansom partners uh, or like, where's John Fisher? It'd always be the same answer. He would deflect, deflect, deflect and run yeah, out. Yeah, I'm yeah, part yeah. of the ownership group too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, like some, somewhere in that Tony Fry interview, it like, it, it like cracked his shield. And I haven't seen him the same since. I mean, I can tell the story. I've told it on Twitter X, whatever the hell we call it. Like on opening day, the A's just basically won their lawsuit against Schnitzer Steel. It was like, wow, this should be huge. This should be exciting. Like, this is great. I walked into the Coliseum. I'm an early arriver. I like to get there early. And I saw Cavill on the field, like having known, I'd already gotten multiple texts and calls from different sources. Like, check this out, check this out, check this out. And I was like, wow, this is great. I walked right up to him and I swear to God, dude, like he could not have run away quick enough. It was like, I was walked right up to him, shook his hand, said, how's it going? And he was just like, field conditions are... Uh, uh, <laughs> like, what, what was that? Like, at least... He already he knew. Pleasantries. It was very weird. I remember I think he already knew. that moment thinking how strange that was. And then, you know, later that month was 
when the whole deal basically blew up in front of us. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny. Like you guys are talking about John Fisher. I love how his defense is proving that he's bad at his job. Like, <laughs> like yeah. lately, you know, like that Forbes article came out, you know, Forbes, so uh, Maury Brown for, for Forbes, you know, he kind of laid out the case for, you know, uh, disproving Fisher's claims that they lost 40 million. They actually probably like profited around 70 million. And then John Fisher, or I'm assuming John Fisher or Dave Cavill comes back to Maury with their numbers. Like, no, see, look, we actually did lose 40 million. But it's just like their defense is like they're running away from Oakland because they're really bad at creating a fan base. And now they're using that as fuel to be like, hey, that's why we're leaving Oakland. It's like, dude, this is the problem you created. It's like, it doesn't make any sense to me how, you know, like their their strategy just doesn't make sense to me, dude. It's just like they're they're not they're not admitting that they're bad at what they're doing, you know? Um, and I, I just don't know, like, I don't know if it's crazy how they can still get away with this, even though they're proving repeatedly that they're bad at this stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think that messaging wise, they've been really rough. I mean, it's been so easy to, to win the messaging war against them and basically turn all the nonsense around on them really fast. But if you look at how bad they're doing it, like, oh, we're losing 40 million years. <laughs> like, what was me? Like, well, you know, you you own the team. You created that problem. But also, yeah. I don't really buy that you're losing money when the revenue, like the value of the team is shooting up. Like, yeah. made at least a billion dollars if he sells today, maybe even two. That's not losing money. Like, yeah. you'd have to lose 40 million a year for like two decades before you even probably reached a billion. I'm not good at math. Health, health probably smart um <laughs> but if you add it up you'd have to lose 40 million dollars a year for many 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 years to even equal one billion let alone two or three uh which he could possibly get if he gets a deal in vegas so um yeah i, I don't think you can be a billionaire owner of a baseball team and say you're really losing money no one is losing money i mean they're getting 60 plus million dollars for their tv contract with nbc sports california alone yeah i mean they're not even spending that on the roster so i don't it doesn't, you know, maybe the financials can add up to, to negative 40 million, but the franchise valuations in excess of 1 billion. So you're not, okay. you're not losing money. You bought the team for $180 million. The reason though, that you're seeing all these owners now, basically like they know what is happening with John Fisher is terrible and they know it's making everybody look bad. But they all see him succeeding in getting this money from Vegas. And they're saying to themselves, well, geez, if this guy could do it, we can do it. And now you have Tampa, yeah, if this moron Arizona, Kansas City. You have uh, all these markets. I'm leaving some out because of yeah, so Milwaukee. many. Like today, Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, they're all more. doing this now. Cleveland. Trying to like, oh, geez, if these guys can pull it off, we can pull it off. Um, <laughs> and so that's why I think that the owners are going to vote in favor of this because they don't want to do anything oh, yeah. to damage that stream you know yeah, yeah I, I can yeah. already see the ripple effect like i think it was today uh some republican lawmakers in wisconsin proposed 700 million dollar package to help the brewers you know improve their stadium that they just built 21 years ago and it's it's, it's so i think people this is kind of having a ripple effect around the rest of the united states and uh, i think we're going to see it kind of play out in the next few years and you know, it's like the A's, if they're so incompetent and there's so many ugly things happening and they can still pull it off, why can't other people too, you know? It's kind of sad. Yeah, and not just that. Like, let's just say from the other team owner standpoints, they can say to the politicians, like, we need this $700 million to get these repairs done. 
uh, even if you don't do it, look what happened in Oakland. That's going to happen to you. Yeah. You know, and so they can all use this as a as a leverage piece when uh when big bad commissioner Manfred comes to town and tries to play the heavy oh. with the politicians. You can they tried to play chicken with me in Oakland and they don't have a team anymore. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. It what kills me and uh listeners if you uh do not want to hear a a rant about uh tax policy like skip ahead five minutes here <laughs> but i'm gonna do it because it's killing me uh and what what's killing me is that like of all these projects howard terminal i think was the was the one that seemed like it was really responsible uh all these other deals i mean like i feel i it's great i i feel so happy for the fans uh in tampa in the in in milwaukee and in baltimore these 600 million dollar deals but like they're not good these this is bad policy um the the difference the difference is is that i mean like the the simplest difference is that this is money that they're going to give the teams to build their stadium all the money that we were talking about in oakland was not for the stadium and 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 that matters that matters for for a couple reasons like so the first the first thing first is that like economists have spent a long time showing that these uh, stadiums are not big economic drivers they don't create tons of jobs they don't uh they don't like create lots of business or or interest in that in the ways that you think and now certainly what they do do is they create a lot of fun uh you know, and, and A's fans know that, right? Like if you're an A's fan, you know that you're going to have less fun every summer and that's, that's a real impact. So it's not nothing. Uh, but, but in the, these hundreds of millions of dollars that they're saying, oh, don't worry, we're going to make it back in the economy, like the economy wise, that's not really true. Um, and the, the big differences here are if you look at what Howard terminal was going to be, it was going to be a, a big pot of money like it upwards $500 million for the offsite infrastructure. Casey, you know, you've been talking to those politicians the entire time. They said we were going to spend this anyway. Um, you know, you want to, you want to think about like, when you're thinking about this stuff, you want to think about the counterfactual, what would happen if the team left? What would happen if we didn't do this? The, it, Oakland said they're going to spend that money anyway. I've biked down fifth street. It is, it's a war zone of potholes. Like yeah, it pothole. needs to happen. <laughs> There's going to be, you know, there's going to be some things that we'll save money on, like widening the sidewalks. Uh, but for the most part, that money was going to and is going to be spent down there. Um, and then sort of the other part that of the money that we was going to be spent was this tax increment district for property taxes. Uh, and here's where it gets real fucking boring. Uh, so the property taxes would have just been and, and also the tax on uh, transfers of condos. Uh, the taxes, they would just would have taken whatever money they would have made uh, because you've turned uh, a parking lot uh, into this development. Those property taxes would have been sort of spent, again, for the infrastructure, the on-site infrastructure, the building, the roads, the building, you know, the connecting the, the stadium to water, uh, the, the building a, a public park, um, you know, all these other things, uh, removing all of the, the polluted soil. Um, and uh, you think like, oh, well, okay, well, we're still giving John Fisher these hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think that that's true. And that's because if you think about it, what's the alternative? If if the A's come, it's so hard to develop land in California. It's just so hard. I think the A's had 
were the people who could have done it. I'm not sure anyone is standing behind them ready to do it. Although they did spend a lot of money on a, on the on all the administrative stuff, so maybe it's easier now. But I don't think anyone else was standing there saying we're going to convert this this parking lot into anything. So I think that that was sort of but for taxes. Now, if you look at a place like Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee is going to take a lot of the money that they're going to make from income tax for players and use that for part of their $600 million. So that sounds like, oh, that sounds like the same thing. It's not because, again, with if the Brewers left, people would go and spend money somewhere else. They'd spend their leisure money somewhere else. And the places that they would spend their money else, they those places would have to hire more, you know, the, the movie theaters, the restaurants, whatever, and then they would end up paying income taxes. But you lose that, you know, you won't have that money spent there. You'll have it instead spent at the <clears throat> at uh, Miller Park, uh, and you won't get that tax uh, income. It's different in Oakland because now, Casey, uh, I know, I believe, uh, I believe you own your own home. Uh, uh, your home has probably gone up a lot in the last couple of years, uh, mm -hmm. but your property taxes have not gone up in the last couple of years, have they? Because of Prop so. 13. Because Prop oh. 13 says that if you don't sell your house, they can't increase your property taxes. Mm. So uh, there could be this same thing with the property taxes in Oakland. And the way that would happen would be we build a bunch of housing because of supply and demand, because we built new housing, the, supp the, the supply is going up. So the price of housing overall will grow less fast or will go down, probably just grow less fast. Um, and so normally you'd say, oh, well, because we've built this, Oakland's going to be, and Oakland is not going to get any of the property taxes from Howard Terminal. Oakland's going to miss out on all these property taxes gains in the rest of Oakland. But that's not the case because Prop 13 says we can't increase property taxes anyway. It's this, it was this just really weird situation where all of the, the boring, and I'll stop being boring now, all the boring <laughs> tax shit that uh, economists say like, this is bad, this is not good uh, about building stadiums, uh, just I don't think was was the case in Howard Terminal. Uh, and it's just, it just, it sickens me as an Ace fan, it sickens me as a hot dog vendor, and uh, it also sickens me as an economist. Okay, now you can put it back on regular uh, speed. I'm so sorry for boring everybody. <laughs> no, let's let's take what Hal said and distill it quickly because I think what he said is very important in that people probably look at us rallying against what's happening in these other markets or this $380 million yeah. in Vegas and go, well, wait, you guys all were a fine with a almost billion dollars being happening in our terminal in Oakland. So you guys are hypocrites, right? And it's like, well, no, what Hal just said about the offsite infrastructure, that money was all coming from grants. Like they were actual grants meant to address the very specific things happening in that area in the offsite, the train tracks and all the other things. So this isn't like just tax money that's raising people's taxes. They obtained over $400 million in grants to pay for that. And so that's a huge point. And what Hal also said, what I find interesting about Vegas is if you tore down the trap, and rebuilt the trop, the people would be getting all the tax revenue from the trop. Exactly. What they're going to do now is tear down the trop, probably put up a smaller thing, put up a stadium, but 
the live entertainment tax isn't going to be going back into the community. So you're actually losing a whole bunch of tax revenue. You could build no stadium there at all, rebuild the trough like they were going to do anyways, and you'd be making a fortune off of that tax revenue, which is it's not going to happen with the ballpark. So there's, it's, it's like a double edged Incredibly edge valuable land there. You're right. They would just build a bigger trough. They would have tons of tax revenue that they're not going to get. I mean, exactly. The... So I think that's why these are very different situations. Um, and I'm going to say, I haven't looked like closely at Milwaukee or Tampa Bay or, you know, whatever they're talking about in Chicago or Baltimore. I just don't have time for it, but I can tell you that the reason I think a lot of us were more supportive towards the public funds of Howard Terminal is because it was a completely different situation. You were taking a parking lot that's basically industrial use and you were going to be putting a stadium and housing and commercial and all these things there that would have brought in a crap ton of money. Then you were going to take that increment to pay for the on-site infrastructure. Yeah. You're going to take yeah. grants and federal things that were already implemented for that area, which they get to keep, by the way. Like the A's leaving in a weird way is almost a huge gift to the city of Oakland because now they I can take so. all this money that they raised in grants and they can still use it to, to do all this stuff they wanted to do. And the stadium potential was probably a huge hook to help get that money. Well, they get to keep the money, whether the A's stay there or not. Almost they spent, the A's say they spent, and I, I don't know. I think I kind of believe them. They, they say they spent $30 million on the, uh, on just getting that, uh, that um the EIR, the CEQA, the EIR. The EIR done. Yeah. That's kind of a big gift. I mean, <clears throat> they'll obviously have to amend it. No one else is going to build a major league baseball stadium, but like that's sort of like a huge gift to the city of Oakland. You know, I no no developer in their right mind probably would have spent that money <clears throat> not knowing if it's going to happen, but a developer might say, well, the EIR already exists. So I don't have to spend any money or you know, spend a lot less money to amend it. You know, the, the other thing is, is that like that money, the on-site infrastructure, that on-site tax increment, if, if we want to develop Howard Terminal, like no developer is going to do it without that anyway, right? It's not like some sweetheart deal just because we love sports teams. Like nobody's going to build on Howard Terminal, like unless you take away all of the, the, the polluted soil, right? Like... <laughs> It just had to be done. It's what what it's what cities do, right? Like they have to build roads. They have to remediate uh, pollution. They have to, uh, you know, protect against uh, sea change. Uh, they don't have to spend six hundred million dollars uh, to build a domed, fully domed stadium in the city that everyone agreed was not the right city to build the 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 stadium for in Tampa, in Saint Petersburg, anyway. I, you know. I'm I'm so happy for those I'm so happy for those fans. You know, I saw Brody uh you know, it broke my heart. Brody like posted the the clip of of the Tampa Brody, whatever his name is, you know, uh <laughs> celebrating on the pregame show and he just said this should have been me and yeah, it fucking should have been him. Uh What's but... Tampa Brody look like? Is it just Brody <laughs> tan or what? That's right. He's just he's just more tan. Dude Dude, honestly, when he's, I saw those he's renderings, wearing white shoes. <laughs> dude, when I when I first saw those renderings and they came out, I really they really convinced me. I was like, "Holy shit, they're actually gonna do this, and they're actually gonna be in Oakland forever, and the A's are gonna finally play in a new stadium." Like, they really psyched me up, man. Like, I actually bought into that shit. You know, like I really believe it. it's too bad, but but I mean, Casey, have you heard any rumblings about like who could potentially? 
fill Howard Terminal if the A's or if and when the A's deal follows through because that's still a prime piece of real estate. And I would love it just for the city of Oakland to have something cool going on there just to, you know, revitalize that area. And then hopefully they can do something with the Coliseum site too, you know? I mean, that'd be Yeah, I haven't heard much about what could happen there, if anything. I don't think, like, I know that when the ENA expired, I'd heard that people had called like immediately, but nothing really serious happened. Um, and really that land is up for negotiation at this point. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if anybody swoops in on it. Um, yeah. but who knows? I mean, days did a lot of the heavy lifting and all that offsite area is going to get cleaned up because of all these grants. So it's going to look better and better as the days go on, especially once this work starts getting done. I hope somebody um, comes in. I, and yeah. Fixes it up. Yeah. The, I gotta say, man, now that, now that like all these people are like, well, what are we going to do with the Coliseum site? The board of supervisors of Alameda County look like such freaking mm-hmm. rubes. Like, oh my God, they, they, they owned this site for like when it was, when they couldn't do anything for it for 50 years and they sold it right at the wrong time to the wrong person for a song. Oh, yeah. oh this is, um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Hal, because this was the absolute perfect natural segue. And I think that what happened with the Coliseum site is an, it's a disaster of epic proportion that is going to carry on for many years. And I think that if you look at what happened there, the A's said they needed it as a backup plan <laughs> so that if Howard Terminal didn't work, they could stay in Oakland. The county bid on it, hook, line, and sinker, sold their money or their property out to try to get out of the sports business. Well, they're out of all business now because <laughs> the city's half is the controlling half, but the county sold, basically undercut the city, sold the Fisher, and now the entire property is held hostage. You have an ENA with the African-American Sports Entertainment Group. The A's are just going to sit there and run out the clock. They own half the land. They're just going to sit there and gum up the works. They have no reason to sell it. They have no reason to accept any offers unless you're going to offer them the moon for this property. This is basically going to have long-term ramifications on the city of Oakland, on that site, for a very long time. And I placed the blame, maybe even the entire blame on the A's leaving Oakland on Alameda County's Board of Supervisors. They screwed up so bad because they undercut the city. I also think they screwed up the Dave Stewart group in the process. Because if you look at what happened when it was AASEG and Dave Stewart's group, I think that, and I don't have this, like no one has told me this, this is my opinion. If you're the city and you're entering into an exclusive negotiating agreement with one of those two groups, well, one of them is sort of cozy with the A's, right? I'm not saying Dave Stewart's group would have just handed it to the A's, but you have to be skeptical because Dave Stewart has connections to Major League Baseball and the Oakland Athletics. ASEG, on the other hand, didn't. So I feel like, and this again is my opinion, that they probably really wanted to make sure that that property went to AASEG and not Dave Stewart. Because what if the city sold their half to Stewart's group and then Stewart said, all right, here you go, Ace. And then then, then they're just <laughs> toast. The city is toast at that point. Um, I'm not saying he would have done that, but I think that's what their concern would have been, um, which is why they were probably so for AASEG. And all of this stems back to the county. I think the county royally hosed the city of Oakland, uh, royally hosed everybody on that property. And that is why, you know, the Raiders are gone. The A's are going to be gone. And largely it's their fault.
If and the, as I mean, a if the product, Dave Stewart's group gets dinged, and it's not even his fault at all. But they were probably yeah. afraid of what would happen. Yeah, if um, if just like <laughs> if they'd simply put in something like in the sale that said, "Oh, if the A's say that they're going to leave Oakland, then the sales reversed." Like you know, like anything. Like I, I remember listening to that. Uh, I remember listening to that meeting, and it was it was funny because you know uh supervisor after supervisors you know was talking about how badly the raiders hosed them on mount davis and that they were this was their stand they were taking a stand by saying just take it we don't we don't want to you know we don't want to get hosed again like it was like wait but you're not even going to let other people bid on this. <laughs> I feel like if you don't want to get yeah, hosed, they, like, they royally hose themselves. Anymore, dude. They royally hose oh, themselves. It, it's hard to All see right. how they couldn't see that coming because now that land is held hostage. Just tonight, um, the city council and county voted that the Malibu site uh, will be in an exclusive negotiating agreement with the Oakland Roots. And I'm hoping the best the for them roots. and their, their stadium <laughs> plans there on that Malibu site. But all they can do, you know, is a is a temporary modular stadium there because who the hell knows what's going to happen long term yep. with that property. Uh, it's yep. it's really unfortunate for it's everybody. It's only nine acres. What can you do with nine acres? What can you do with nine acres? <laughs> I got some renderings. Uh, what you can do with nine acres? Believe me, it's huge. Well, I one thing I think I read somewhere was the one weird thing about that was I think that the city is, is still asking, uh, uh, like for the the land to be after after the lease is up for the land to be put back in its like old state which is like funny because uh, uh, of the um Malibu lot which is funny because you're like you're going to build a stadium but then have to turn it back into like a desert parking lot at the end of it, want to it else. and then yeah. find a way to weather the pavement like 40 50 yeah, right years. right yeah exactly oh man but i mean that's great um you know i know you were i think we were talking earlier today casey and you said uh for the first time ever you you made it to a roots uh game and i think it's a perfect time to talk about the future of oakland sports yeah how'd, so, you, how'd you like the roots i loved it i had the best time ever uh my kids loved it my wife loved it Ace, Ace fans are the best. Uh, obviously, the Oakland 68s were there. Uh, we hung out with everybody. And, I mean, it was really funny. Uh, credit to to Anson Casanares, by the way, who was down there field level hooking it up. But there was one point where my wife had, like, so many beers, she didn't even know what to do with the beers because <laughs> getting past more and more beers. Uh, so we had the best time. Uh, it was a 1-0 <laughs> match. Uh, not a great performance on the field. But when we left, my daughters were begging to go next week. Um, they all loved it. And I thought the atmosphere, everything about it was spectacular. And it actually makes Great. me feel good for what the future of Oakland sports can be. Maybe it's not the A's game at the Oakland Coliseum. But yeah, what it made me realize is a lot like the reverse boycott. Like, I don't care sometimes what happens on the field when I take my kids to the game because it's all about the people. And that's what the Roots game was like for me. It was like being in the parking lot, hanging out with everybody, you know, sitting with everybody at the game, you know, listening to the drums again and doing all that stuff. And and that vibe, I mean, it could have been zero zero. I wouldn't even care. It would have been a great night. And it was all because of the people. A lot like the reverse boycott tailgate in that night and the Unite the Bay games. Like, you know, I mean, the Tampa game was pretty cool, but I, I 
don't think it really mattered what happened on the field in either of those days. It was all about the people in the stands before and after. And I think that as long as that love and solidarity and, and, you know, unification of Oakland sports fans is there, uh, you know, you can't kill pro sports in Oakland because the people will still be there. And, you know, if I bump into Hal or Alex in Mexico, maybe someday I will still <laughs> sit and talk for like four hours about, you know, Oakland A's baseball or whatever we loved about, you know, going to sports in East Bay. And, and that's kind of what it brought. It brought this generational togetherness. And I don't think it's going to get killed off too easy when you look at what the Oakland roots are providing. And obviously there's some other things in the works that uh, we probably aren't allowed to talk about yet. But um, I think that as long as that stuff persists, the people are what's going to kill, uh, carry it on. So I'm optimistic for that reason. And uh, I, think I love the roots. Yeah, I, 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 think I, haven't, I haven't bought the roots yet, but I think I might. Yeah, I think it's really cool what they're doing too with their community yeah. investment round. It's yeah. been about a week and they've raised over $2 million for, you know, you can put in as little as a hundred bucks to buy like a share or shares of the roots. And it's like, you literally have ownership of this team. Like they're kind of giving it back to the people. It's like, they're doing everything like opposite of the A's. I don't know. There's something cool about the energy that the roots are doing. And um, do you think like long-term, like they could, you know, maybe retrofit the stadium, maybe knock down Mount Davis and turn that into a soccer stadium. Is that at all on the table, like 20 years from now or no? Probably too much land that wouldn't be going to good use if AASEG gets their wishes and can actually develop develop it to the full potential i know they want to keep the arena um you know if they could actually get their ish together quick enough it would actually be really easy just to let the roots play at the oakland coliseum instead of having them build a modular stadium you already have a stadium right there um and let's be honest right like the a's aren't drawing that many people i bet you the roots could draw as many as a lot of these a's home games so it wouldn't be crazy for them just to sell the first deck only and play roots games there. Uh, but that would take a lot of coordination and participation and organization from the city. I'm not sure is quite there, uh, especially <laughs> with the nature of the JPA, but that could be an option too. Um, I think, that'd I think be sweet. Like, that'd be really sweet. it would be, it'd be cool. I think, um, you know, from being, from being, seeing soccer in like soccer specific stadiums, I think it's a lot of fun. Like, you know, you can get, people really close to the stadium really close to the field like really surrounded the field um and you know especially you know the roots i think the roots are going to keep growing their keep growing their uh fan base but you know i think i think they're hoping in a few years to be you know aiming at like 10,000 a, a night uh and you know 10,000 in the coliseum uh it looks like a, a lot fewer than 10,000 in a 10,000 person soccer specific stadium so you know, I think, I think if you're if you're thinking ten years down the road, you know, if you're thinking, you know, are are the roots the 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 biggest ticket in town? Are the roots, you know, who 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 knows? Like, you know, are the roots, you know, have a prayer of maybe getting an MLS expansion? You know, and twenty years down the road, has you know somebody gotten a lawsuit to get promotion relegation in MLS? Who knows? You know, like. There you'd think like let's build a real stadium, a real, real big stadium. But yeah, I don't right know now, if they're ready for the Coliseum. Yeah, and what you said, we kind of joked about it with pavement, but like what they're trying to do is build a modular stadium. You can literally pick that up and move it somewhere else. Um, yeah. so to put that site back to the original state wouldn't take a whole lot. You're building a stadium yeah. that is gonna be there, but it could also be picked up and moved elsewhere, which is actually really cool. They did that in Phoenix, I believe, with the uh yeah. 
uh, soccer stadium out there. So you can pick it up in pieces and just put it back together somewhere else. Um, there's a lot of really successful um, versions of that. So that's what you'd be looking at at the Malibu site. And, you know, in theory, it wouldn't gum up too much any development AASEG has planned if they can ever get anything built uh, based on all the other issues that they have right now. Thank you, Alameda County Board of Supervisors. <laughs> Is AASEG like sort of really only in on WNBA or like, I mean, listen, Bob Nightingale had that like unsourced throwaway line that just was... I don't Just believe it. Absolutely. I, I don't believe it either, but it, yeah. but it's, uh, it made me, uh, I feel like you're just hurting me again. What, what did <laughs> you say? They said, well, they said, they said that, uh, oh, if the city can get together a stadium and an owner that Oakland will be at the top of the list for expansion. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in theory, it, let's say like, I know Scott also just wrote about this, but if Joe Lacob really wanted a baseball team and we know he does, um could he have the clout to say yeah i'll i'll get a bunch of people together get the expansion fee taken care of we i mean i still think howard terminal would make more sense they already have a deal like 90 percent complete there that they could jump in on they could scale back howard terminal too and get that thing done really quick uh if you did howard terminal only and then just threw some like bars and restaurants on the site and maybe worried about all the residential and commercial stuff later i think you could get to an approval way quicker uh i still think that would make the most sense but um here's the thing aaseg they want to do big things if major league baseball is on the table for their plot of land they're going to be all in on it there is no way that they would turn that down and i know too in speaking to them that they also would have been very happy with the a's at howard terminal they would have been willing to help do whatever they could do to get the a's howard terminal because then they would have been out of the coliseum and they could develop that land so um, there are many options and they also have a partnership with the roots right now, a, a agreement with them. So maybe if something more permanent happened, they could, they could be in the mix for that as well, but I don't think it would be as big as the Coliseum. It would probably be a much smaller piece of land that they could develop permanently. So a lot of options could be on the table. Um, and, and these are smart people. They're not, they're not close minded to like, obviously their land would be more valuable with a pro sports franchise playing on it. Right. Not just in WNBA team. Who is behind a SCG? Do we do we know? Ray yeah, Bobbitt, actually, I, right? a lot of people. Ray Bobbitt's one of them, but uh, you know, okay. Bill Bill Duffy, super mega NBA agent, like every amazing basketball player is one of his clients. Uh, they have another guy. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I literally just read an article about him. He's a huge like power player. Um, with uh, what's it called? Loop, I believe um they got a lot of money behind them and they got a lot of powerful people behind them so it's a matter of if they can find a way to to buy the a's out and get them out of here and we'll see well casey i was gonna ask you too a couple of weeks ago you interviewed reggie jackson right about his his offer to mlb and he's he's still mad or is that right or like so yeah. the reggie thing is really interesting and we can get into that here um without me burning too many sources um so Reggie, uh, they were going to do something. They were going to announce something where basically Reggie was going to sue Major League Baseball for not getting the A's back in 2005 when he was trying to buy the team. Um, Statute of limitations, my friend. Yeah, he believed, you know, obviously he he believed that Bud Selig was acting in, in his best interest. And then all of a sudden he sold 
sold the team to his frat buddy Lou Wolf. And Lou Wolf eventually, you know, uh, gave up the bulk of his shares to John Fisher. So you could add Reggie as an owner. You could add Joe Lacob as an owner. These guys all got snubbed in this uh, this deal here. Um, but <laughs> Reggie Jackson could not sue or do anything about this because the statute of limitations had expired. Yeah. So when they were getting ready to announce this whole thing happening, there was going to be legislation enacted that was going to amend a law that was going to extend the statute of limitations for Reggie. Uh, really, I guess anybody pertaining to Major League Baseball is going to extend the statute of limitations. Yeah. But what happened was the night before the announcement was the legislative deadline in California, mm. and they just simply ran out of time. And so yeah. this was all about to happen. It was going to be announced on Friday. And then on Thursday night, the legislators basically just ran out of time. They had to deal with other state priorities. And they just said, look, like, this is something, you know, we care about it, but we kind of would rather just sneak it in because we got like far more important things to deal with here. And we just don't have the people to write up this legislation and get it cleared through all the lawyers and the staffers, et cetera. And they, they punted it to next year. So it was like this close to being announced. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I had this thing sourced through the wazoo i had gone up and down every ladder i have and i had like all of it and then it was kaput <laughs> so it was close but it never happened i, I that happens it, a lot in the california legislature the, i feel yeah. like dude honestly that right wisconsin there. frat in the 60s is really what screwed over the a's who knows <laughs> that's really where the a's got screwed that's where this all started dude uh i got one more question for casey uh i know we're pushing up against an hour but do you do you honestly believe that the A's had enough money to fund their vision at Howard Terminal, or do you think that was all that was all just a talking point? Because I just find it hard to believe that they had either six or twelve billion, you know, depending on what it was actually going to cost, and they'd have to like scrounge up to get a billion dollars in Vegas, but they had six billion in Bay Area. Like, do you think they actually did have the the resources to pull through their vision, or was that just smoke and mirrors? It's a two parter. One when they were first talking about doing this, it was pre pandemic. Right. Yeah. And it was a completely different climate uh, in many, many ways. So I don't think there was ever a point in time where they had $6 billion, but what they would have had was $1 billion to build a stadium and then bring in real estate moguls that would develop the residential and the commercial. And then obviously the A's would get a cut of all of it and mm. they would have had real estate partners. So that was a lot easier to do before the pandemic hit and the world shut down and interest rates ballooned and construction costs ballooned and like all the projections about how much this was going to cost essentially doubled. I mean, you were looking at them saying they needed 352 million from the city. The city got that. But then it was like, wait, this is going to be like 600 now. And yeah. we don't got that. So that was one of the things where I think it went sideways. I don't think they ever needed the 6 billion. They just needed the amount of money to build the stadium. And then everything else would have been partnerships and other deals. The issue is when it all blew up, they didn't have any partners at that point. Like when this thing blew up, where were all the, the angry real estate moguls and partners? There just weren't any. And I think that because of the way the, the financing ended up, they just didn't have the quality of partners on board to get this across the finish line. And I think that's really where it went sideways. Interest rates crushed them. I mean, I think yeah. probably, right? Like they were planning on like uh, uh, borrowing a crap ton of money. Uh, and it's a lot, it's a lot more, 
it's a lot more exciting to borrow a crap ton of money at three percent than it is at seven percent. Yeah, and if you're a, if you're it a real estate many mogul, many times it is many times more expensive. Yeah, and I'd heard throughout this process like, oh, they offered this tower to real estate company X, and real estate company X looked at it and went, yeah, it doesn't pencil out. I don't want it. And yeah. when you start working your way down from like the high end people to the the more suspect people, it probably stops becoming a deal that you want to do because you know if if the top power players in the real estate market are looking at it and going, yeah, I don't think this works. Uh, you're not going to get what you want. And I think that was really what happened. I think that, you know, people try to say the A's did all this as a ruse. I don't think they did. I think they really wanted to build Howard Terminal. I just think that things changed in the markets and kind of blew the whole thing up. And and oh, they yeah. made the project too damn big. If they, like I said, just build a stadium. They could have just built a stadium. Like no one was telling them they had to build all this other crap. Just build the stadium. It was all a pipe all dream, man. All a well, pipe dream. God damn. My theory was, <laughs> my theory was, is that they thought that they could build a stadium without public money because they thought they were going to make such a huge killing on the real estate. So I think mm -hmm. that their their idea was, we're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna make a crazy amount of money on this real estate, and we're gonna use the profits to pay off our debt on the stadium. And, uh, you know, whatever. I, Casey, I don't know if you are are plugged into this at all anymore, but if you're Joe Lacob, uh, you know, is Laney College still a possibility? Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, I don't think anyone's really even talking about Laney College. Um, and it really wasn't Laney College. It was the Peralta Community College District offices right across from Laney College. Right, right, right. right. But, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. I haven't even gone down that avenue since it blew up for the A's. But um, I still think that with all the offsite infrastructure funds and grants already obtained and a lot of the are port priorities yeah. clearance at Howard Terminal. I just think it'd be so much easier to go in there and finish that deal with an owner that actually wants to. Um, I also think that there's a lot of minority owners in the Bay Area, uh, you know, guys that own smaller parts, of the Giants, guys that own smaller parts, of the Warriors that would love to get a larger stake in a pro sports franchise. I bet you those guys are chomping at the bit to uh, get into an A's ownership group if one <laughs> formulates and comes forward. I know there's a bunch of them. That's the problem, but no one will say anything. And, and I guess I can leave you with this. It's like, Major League Baseball's tentacles are so vast and controlling that like nobody will say anything because they're afraid it's going to screw up their future business endeavors. And that's why there's so many people behind the scenes. Hal probably sees them all the time. I see them all the time that are like, you'll run into somebody and they'll be like, yeah, dude, I love that. Like, keep going. And I'm like, well, why don't you help? And they're like, oh, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't talk about that. Are you crazy? Yeah. And it's just like, I see that all the time. And I think it's because Major League Baseball is so powerful and so far reaching and nobody wants to screw with it. But whoever, you know, like, you know, whoever was behind the 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 money behind that lawsuit that you're talking about, they should just they should just give five hundred thousand dollars to the 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 schools before stadiums people like. Well, I, that's, that's what, I mean, like, you know, I've, I think I've talked, I've talked to, you know, I think I can say like, I've talked to the people, you know, the same, you know, the, 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 the usual suspects of people who've organized a stuff. And I said, 
I think our last move is, you know, schools before stadium or, you know, schools uh, or schools over stadiums or whatever it is. And, you know, I think, I think like that amount of money that you need to raise like individually is just so like intimidating, especially for, you know, I think people are excited to do stuff for their community, but like, you know, it's like, it's hard to, I think like get all the A's fans together and be like, yeah, let's all chip in 50 bucks for Nevada, you know, and it, <laughs> yeah. it and right. you know, yeah. if, if one of these, you know, if one of these, you know, guys who wanted to buy the A's just was like, you know, who's got enough money to buy the A's just, just, you know, give $500,000 to your housekeeper and then have your I think it's probably an election fraud, but you know, but like, and have your housekeeper fucking give five hundred thousand dollars to the schools before stadiums people. Like, that's that's how you'd fuck them. But that's just whatever. yeah. I mean, that would be that would be a death blow for them. I don't know that I don't know that it'll work. Um, and I think yeah. that it's surprising that there aren't as much ground swell of support for that, and maybe it'll come. I know that there there are some things happening with that, but you know, me personally, I, I kind of checked the boxes you just said. Um, you know, I, 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 I am following it closely, but I'm not talking about it that much. Cause it's like, I don't live in Nevada. I don't feel like yeah. that's my role to play in this. I, yeah. I interviewed Alexander Marks from schools mm -hmm. over stadiums. And I told him that I was like, look, this isn't, you know, like I, I'm big fan of what you guys are doing, but this really isn't my thing. Like I, I don't deserve to be telling Nevada taxpayers what to do with their money. You know, yeah. it's just not my thing. So, I mean, I'm hoping some champions step up, but it's just, uh, it feels unfair to to publicly lobby for like Nevada money. <laughs> just, I don't know. Yep. Uh, I don't know. We should really wrap this up. Uh, Casey baseball. Uh, well, I'll give you two minutes on, this is a baseball podcast. I don't know if you knew, uh, <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. give you two minutes on, on uh, baseball. It's the, the sport they play with the bat and the ball and the bases. Uh, uh i don't know man like you, the that best, off, baby <laughs> best part of the season so far i mean his family seems like they're kill cool he seems like he's a cool dude you interviewed him 100%. recently Tell yeah i was gonna go zach geloff for a two minutes uh dissertation here um yeah you know one thing i'll tell you behind the scenes there's a couple of his players that when i meet them or go talk to them they're like yeah hey, I, I know who you are i follow your stuff uh zach geloff is one of them <laughs> so when i first introduced myself to zach you know i you know i, I never met him before but he's like oh yeah, yeah i know you I, I follow all your tweets i see all that stuff and and he was just um such a good dude and it's funny because i told him when i first met him i'm like you know i'm usually talking about all the stadium stuff but i I just want to talk to you about you and baseball. Uh, let's get off that for now and just enjoy this, this ride you're on. And what a genuine, good, talented, just amazing guy. His brother's also a really talented baseball player. Um, I thought I found it hilarious that both of his parents are attorneys. Um, I don't know how you get from two parents that are attorneys to like superstar baseball genetics. I think it's, a, it's an <laughs> awesome thing. And um, you know, one of the things I asked him about was his dad, Adam, who's, I saw him, um, you know, wearing the We Are Here shirt from Last Dive Bar, and I thought, that guy seems like a cool guy. So I asked him about his dad, Adam, and, and you know, I sent him a couple messages, too, and I sent uh, his dad the interview I did with Zach, and, um, you know, Adam said the same thing. Once Zach got drafted by the A's, I started following um, the A's closely, and so, yeah, they're they're great, uh, awesome family, really, really good guy um, behind the scenes, really good guy on the field. Uh, I think the future is incredibly bright for him. I, I cannot be 
you know, more positive about him and, and Lawrence Butler and, and a lot of these yeah, guys. Butler the problem, too, dude. problem is, yeah, I love Butler. It's yeah. so hard to be excited for guys that you know so are fucking hard. in Vegas someday. It's just like yeah. it, it, it's you can start feeling the excitement bubble up, and then you're just like, Ugh. yeah. That's that's how I'll end it. I never, I never got to, I never really got to meet or like really interact with any players uh, when I was uh, how the hot dog guy, but I used to get to interact with their families sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, I, that's one of the things that I, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody else like recently and was like, if I had started vending this season, once they announced that they weren't going to keep going, I don't, I don't know if I could have kept going, you know, cause I would have wanted to, I would have wanted to start like organizing the sell stuff and they probably would have told me to leave <laughs> i mm -hmm. assume uh but uh but yeah the one made the the biggest regret i have about not vending this season is i didn't get to meet zach geloff's dad he seems like <laughs> a cool dude very cool dude and, and I'll, I'll tell you this one last story i gotta go to but like i used to go down to the river cats games all the time when they're the ace triple a affiliates and i mm -hmm. interview all their top prospects i get to know them there before they came up and it was so funny because i'd reintroduce myself at the coliseum and they'd all be like yeah dude like you did my first ever TV interview. My whole family watched it 10 times, you know, and like you don't even realize like the kind of impact those kind of moments have on these guys. And, and it really kind of makes you bonded uh, for a long time. And so I, I hope, I hope the best for Zach and his family. And the last cool thing, how you were always in the stands, Dallas Braden's perfect game. I've told this story before, but I, I got tickets from my friend, Christy, who worked for the A's at the time. And I was sitting in the family section and unbeknownst to me, I was sitting three seats over from Dallas Braden's grandma, Peggy, uh, on the no, on the perfect game. And so I didn't even know that was his grandma. I just saw this lady going berserk like the entire game and thinking I was a terrible fan. And then once it happened, she went running down there and they had the big hug. And it was really fun telling Dallas that story because the whole time I was looking over at her like, man, I I'm like, I'm like a terrible fan. Like I'm not even close to as fired up as this lady. <laughs> and it turned out it was Dallas's grandma. So that's the coolest thing about, you know, when you were vending, you got to be in all those sections right there um, and, and see, you know, the families and the reactions. And it's so cool to see that. I mean, it's the best thing. That, that was the gonna... sixth game I ever covered. I was the A's intern. I remember asking Braden some questions after that. I was like 23. I didn't know what the hell. I was at the end of my first week, and I was like, oh, I'm just happy to be here. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. It's the greatest baseball game you'll ever cover in your life. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably never see another one as cool, man. I mean, it's sad to think, but that was special. And you'll remember it forever, and that's all that matters. Well, thank you so much, Casey. That was a great chat. Uh, sorry to keep you a little late, like we always do. But, hey, we got uh, Zoom Pro now, thanks to Q Cortez, so we can go over 40 minutes. Like last time, we got booted. So uh, We were rolling last time, too, man. Yeah. We would have been great. Yeah, it hey, was right in the middle of a great point, yeah. <laughs> I hope this isn't the final, the final final for Alex and the Ricky here. Oh. But if it is, much love to you guys. I'm so happy you did it. I really, really hope you keep going, though. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll see. Think... They got Wi-Fi down in Mexico, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah <laughs> why we not? Got, Just keep going, dude. We got two more. I think we got two more uh, at least podcasts planned for the this season. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think maybe either Saturday or Sunday. Probably Sunday. We're gonna do what I did uh, opening day which was just walk around and just interview fans for 15 seconds each. So I think we're going to do that again. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully we won't get too much. Uh, we won't have to use the bleep button too many times. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and then uh, I want to do something uh, which we'll also be releasing sometime near in the next couple of weeks, which is uh, I want to interview Alex. We Alex has interviewed everybody. I want to interview Alex. So, <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, so watch out man. for that. Hell yeah! And like I said, Alex on the field on Friday. Twenty. I'll give you twenty bucks. The whole franchise naming rights, everything. I'll, I'll buy it all up. I'll, I'll take that. I might have to consider. I might have to consider. Twenty bucks go a long way in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> all right, have a good one, guys. All right, thanks.